We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my French. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Booyah. Hello. And welcome to Looks Like We're Lost, episode number 29. I am Dustin Redazel, and joining me is a published tech culture blogger. It's Tommy Cooksey. Thank you, thank you. My fame precedes me. What can I say, man? It's uh, it's kind of going full circle. We used to blog, then we potted. Now we're potting and blogging. But uh, for uh, for anyone listening, check out the Superior Social Media Network LinkedIn, <laughs> and uh, you can click through Tommy Cooksey's profile to an article he wrote for uh, Cisco Blogs. It might be at CiscoBlogs.com. Whatever it is, I think it's uh, I think it's blogs.cisco.com. Blogs.cisco. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, a site I've written for once before. Top ten red articles in uh, 2019. I believe that's not surprising. You wrote about your um, your cancer uh, journey and recovery and so forth. Yeah. Yep, and company support therein. But man, I loved. Your article. So quick synopsis for the listeners. Tommy wrote about how when you take PTO, it's not partial time off, it's paid time off. And just don't don't look at your email. Don't check your your WebEx or your Slack or whatever messaging service your company might use. Like take the time off and that there's huge benefits that you feel when you get back. You actually feel recharged. Uh, yeah, I, I said this, I commented on, on LinkedIn, but I, I think it bears repeating. I actually do think there's a low level of bravery to publishly publishing widely that, Hey, I didn't work for a week. Yeah, dude. So, you know, for me, it was it was just a quick LinkedIn post. And, you know, I've actually really taken to LinkedIn. I don't know what it is. It's, you know, I have these and just from a from a professional standpoint, I um, I have these massive customers now and trying to find people that are, you know, new contacts that we haven't talked to. There's really no better way. Um, but also, you know, I, I people have really taken to a, you know, as we it, as, as we merge, what is work life balance? And it becomes, it's just life balance. Work is part of life. Life is part of work and so on and so forth. And how do you manage those two? LinkedIn is really the dark horse for me, for the one that might survive all of the social medias. But, um, yeah, it started as a, just a quick like LinkedIn post. And then the, you know, the, we are, we are Cisco blog people picked it up and asked if I would write something and I'm writing it and I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to say. And then as it gets published, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, especially in U.S. culture, am I going to be perceived as like lazy, right? Or not caring. Um, mm-hmm. But there's been an overwhelming amount of support. It's been really cool 
people that are like, hey, guilty. I'm guilty of doing the same thing. And I think what I've come to, and anybody that reached out to me or commented or or whatever, you know, my, my only advice was like, one, let your manager know you're going to do that. If you're going to take a week off, let them know well in advance. Of course, you can take PTO whenever you want. It's your time, right? But to be a, a conscientious, conscientious uh, colleague and employee, but then just set like a rock solid backfill plan and then communicate that to everybody who would need to know. And then you just delete, just, you know, just go on vacation, go on PTO, even if you're just at home. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm two for two on that. So I, I did it when we went to Disney and I did it when we went to Mexico. And aside from one little fire when I was in Mexico that I think it was probably user error, you know, I was able to check out for like nine straight days in Mexico, which you just, it allows you to be a little more present. And, uh, you know, there, there's like, sometimes work can feel like little tiny paper cuts and they build up over time, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you step away for a week, you almost, even the, even the colleagues that are difficult to work with, like you look forward to coming back and reengaging with them with kind of a new, new frame of mind. So, so yeah, man, th- thanks for the nod. And, uh, yeah, I was definitely a little bit nervous when it was published. Uh, I feel pretty safe though with Cisco because they are a very, uh, progressive, as far as like how, how they treat their employees type company. So yeah, man. And you're publishing it on the company website, on their like website. You're, yeah. You're good. The, uh, the thing that immediately jumps to mind, and this is just a suspicion. I have no, nothing backing this up other than anecdotal experience with colleagues. I think people are jealous of somebody who can, just really shut off and go on PTO. And they're not jealous because like, oh man, I wish I could just completely shut down. I think they're jealous that you're, you know, when you talk about that work-life balance and that not existing, I think they're jealous of the ability to be as satisfied with your non-work life Mm. as people are with their work life. Particularly when you get to a company that, you know, most people are proud to work for and they, they can't wait to let other people know like, hey, I work for Cisco or Apple or yeah. Microsoft, right? Uh, these brand names that like, because I'm aligned with them, you, you've heard of me, right? right? And I think the ability to say, hey, I am completely satisfied not touching this. I am not stressed out by the fact that I am away from this version of myself that is the successful, uh, better than my peers yeah. version of me, the, the beating the Joneses version of me. And jealous might be the wrong word to put on it because there's such a negative connotation. Like maybe respect is the other thing. Yeah. Like if you really do ahead of time form that rock solid backfill plan you just mentioned and you really do disappear... Like, that's the ultimate sign. Like, this guy actually does have it together. It's not just the the together person I see at work, but he's able to actually disappear, which means it's probably pretty good on the the home front, too. He likes his life. Yeah, and, you know, I think regardless of what what business you're in, especially in sales, though, is like once I set the plan and I kind of looked at it and I was I was sort of like, 
trying to poke holes in it. I mean, this is, it sounds ridiculous, but it did fully really allow me to, to kind of shut off for like, like I said, eight or nine days was well, just kind of tested the plan. And I was like, yeah, I mean, what, nothing is going to be so severe that the people around me can't handle it. Mm. Right now, this is a little bit different if you work, for, if you know, if you're self-employed, you know, um, but I did have a friend who is a, she's a realtor. She owns her own business and she turned her phone off for an entire night. And she was like, I haven't done that. in who knows how long? And it felt good. It felt refreshing to pick up my phone in the morning. I was excited. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, and I think something else that it's done for me is now when, when I email people or message them or whatever, and I get the response, Hey, I'm, I'm on PTO. I used to get like, you know, very self, what, what the hell? How dare you go on PTO when I have this very important thing I have to get accomplished. But now it's kind of like, good for you. And I'm not going to send you another email. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. uh, I, I can, I just only hope that, that we can all kind of move more towards that. Like it's, you know, gosh, especially with, with the pandemic and, you know, having no real reason to take PTO, right? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like you were always on and, and I, I don't know how you feel, but I'm noticing that I'm, I'm getting to that burnout feeling almost weekly because everyone thinks, well, just because you're not traveling now, you get to have meetings every, every minute of the day. It doesn't matter if it's back to back, who needs to pee, right? Who needs to go eat? Um, and so, you know, you, you start to reach that, you know, more quickly. And so even if you're like going to golf for an afternoon or a day, oh, take a whole day and How go golfing you. with your friends, right? Set the out of office and, you know, set a backfill and say, if it's not important, I will be back on this tomorrow morning. So anyway, a long winded well, way to say, man. Thing. Yeah, there is one thing I want to add to that, which is I've been thinking a lot about one of your is an answer to one of our questions of the week. And I, I forget which one it was. I, I could dig it up. But your answer was something to the effect that you're enough. You're enough. Yeah. And reminding yourself of that so that you can feel good about the direction of your life instead of like constantly seeing the gap between yourself and others. Yeah. Or whatever your comparison point may be. And I've been thinking about that. It's just popped into my head a lot around like my justification for why I do things, right? Like is missing a meeting so I can get my daily run in justifiable. And you know what? I've come to the point where I believe it is. And I don't need any other justification than I've blocked this hour off for me. Yeah. You know, like just because everybody else on the call can meet at that time uh, doesn't mean I absolutely have to as well. And there's, there's like a, I don't know, Katie and I have talked through this from a a dozen different angles, but there's like a courage you have to drum up to decide that your own justification for doing what you want to do is enough. Yeah. 
I mean, dude, it's like, you know, it always comes back to like, you're exactly right. You know, you are enough. And also you, you are, you are someone you're responsible for taking care of. You don't put that burden on somebody else. And so if you block that time off and you're going to do, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever that thing is, you got to run out and run some errands or you have to like the nine to five is this archaic thing, you know, like yeah, seven to seven to 11 break one to three break. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there's no yep. like we're not factory workers. Like we're not, we're not like sewing textiles. Like this is a whole new age of doing things. And so, yeah, man, I mean, I think it's, I think it's healthy and I really appreciate, I mean, I have this, this cool, so my, you know, my job, as you know, um, for listeners, you know, maybe I've mentioned it, but like all of the accounts that I cover are based in Europe. And therefore a lot of my colleagues are somewhere from the UK all across France, um, Holland, Switzerland, all the way to Russia. And then I have some in China as well. But we have like operational directors, like senior people who are like, you can't book a meeting with me from this time to this time. And it's a two hour window that I eat lunch and go for a walk with my wife. And I'm like, well, I respect that. Why can't I do that? That's awesome. So yeah, so, so there's definitely, we have this hustle mentality in the U S which is great. But, you know, eventually you got to stop and refuel, you know? And so that's kind of how I, how I look the, at that. Uh, I think that's the, the right perspective. I have a, a tiny pivot based upon something you said. You're someone that you're responsible for taking care of. That's Jordan Peterson, baby. Bingo. <laughs> the, the thing it got me thinking about was uh, something Katie and I just talked today on a walk of our own that we began uh, about 30 minutes before 5 p.m. Look at us, look at rebels. You, look at you guys. Uh, did your... You don't need to... This isn't like a, a trash session before we get into it, if the question sounds that way. I'm sorry. But did your parents have any sort of relationship to their body that you were aware of? Like the... You know... Like... To me as a kid, my dad's body was the exact same thing as my dad himself. Like, he wouldn't talk to me about his body. Like, the way he would talk to me about the, like some of the meticulous nature of caring for a car when mm-hmm. I turned 16, mm-hmm. there was nothing like that in relation to the body. He gave me some tips on, like, sports-oriented, right? Yeah. Uh, but, like, his body was himself. Yeah. And instead of like taking a step back, which is the way I think I think about it now, which is uh, I want to do things for my body so my body can do things for me. I consider like my life like I'm almost in a partnership with my physical self that is different than my conscious self that is like drumming up the words that I'm speaking now. Yeah. But did you ever have that modeled for you? And does that make sense at all? Yeah, it does. And it's hard to say. I mean, you know, my mom was big into jazzercise for a while, (laughs) Um, uh, which, which, you know, she, she loved physical activity was very important. 
my, my dad was a laborer, you know, he, he owned his own carpet business. So like just devoted to working out, um, yeah, my dad might, you know, we had like a, it's kind of like you might think, think of on a farm. Like we had like an old bench set that was just sitting in the backyard by a shed and my dad would go out there and mm-hmm. bench like 135, 15 times and do a couple curls and that would be, the, you know, once a month. That's all you need. But, you know, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that, but because, because my dad was a laborer or is a laborer, I should say, he, he's still, he's still around, uh, his, his body was more of a tool that was separate of his self. So it wasn't the body for necessarily appearance sake. Although, you know, because my dad was throwing four or 500 pound rolls of carpet on his shoulder at any given time, he's always in decent shape. It was more so like my, my, you know, my physical body is what allows me to put food on the table and therefore it needs to be strong. It needs to be fueled. Um, but much like everything with, with that generation, (laughs) they never thought about like what that body is going to be like when they're 60 or 70. And so they really just wrote it to, you know, my my dad wrote it to the wheels fall are going to fall off. Like diet, eh, what's that? Right. It's like, I drank diet Coke with my McDonald's, um, Mm. stretching, not a thing. Like only if I have a serious injury, warming up, stretching, no, no, none of that. So in that way, yeah, there, there was definitely a physic, like a, a separation of, you know, this is what the body is able to do and therefore it needs to be in a condition to do it, but not necessarily, you know, more of a physical than like the organs themselves. If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm wondering how, no, it does. It does. I just, you know, physical health. I'm, I've just been thinking a lot about like how I want to, how I want to position that idea for my own children. And I really do think it's about separating the two. I think that right now, maybe I'll change. Yeah. Like, well, you know, trying my, to, my, my dad always yeah, worked, my dad always worked in play. So he, he would always, you know, he'd be in the yard, he'd play catch with us, even though he's exhausted. And in, even until, I mean, I want to say even until I was in high school and I was decently athletic, he could still beat me in a foot race. That's impressive. Um, actually. It is. If, yeah. if I can still beat, if I could still beat like athletic high schoolers in a foot race, I, I know I can't do it now. Why, why would I do it in 15 years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he would, he, you know, he, he could still beat me in a foot race. Definitely was stronger than me. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he could. Yeah. He, he was, you know, he was still able to use his body, I guess is what I, is probably the best way to say it. So, yeah, so gotcha. maybe indirectly, um, but, you know, again, it's probably why, a lot of why I, the, I am the way I am, but like we talked about with Grace Casey, like there's always, there was always an element of play. There was always an element of, of joy and fun. Um, even when we were doing stuff like raking leaves or picking up sticks or, you know, whatever the monotonous chore we were doing. Yeah, it's. Something to be hashed out later. But I like the idea of taking care of yourself and like trying to get a little bit more granular with how to approach that, you know, physically, emotionally, intellectually. And uh, You know something I've done, man? And, I, I do think it starts with the body to yeah. kind of like tap back into our conversation with Ryan Varga. Uh, but it's just like, 
you got to start with the physical self first and then you kind of have like a strong foundational baseline for where your you know kind of where your neurochemistry is at where your hormone levels are at like if you can get your body in check with like sleep diet exercise then you have like a really good place to build off of when you start talking about these these tweaks to your psyche and your emotions like hey vacation is going to be a real vacation mm-hmm. where i don't do any work at all like then that actually goes a really long ways because it's it's being put on top of solid a solid physical framework for well-being yeah couldn't agree more so Speaking of a solid physical framework, I wanted to show you, for anybody listening, if I sound a little little echoey, I apologize. It's because I am in a new location that has not been fully furnished, but will eventually become my usual podcast studio. And... Wow. Look at that. What do you think of that? I mean, so for anybody anybody who doesn't know, he's been... We're usually on video, and he has been off video, and I'm just been staring at a a uh, his avatar. But got those tractor supply stall uh-huh. mats. The look at the, him. The classic version. And let's let's let Do you know. Uh, we should let the audience know ahead. that you have about what one thirty five, one eighty five racked on that bar for. Uh, if you, in case you need to bust out some squats mid pod, <laughs> just just one thirty five. I'm ready. Yeah, I could. I can go throw up some pull-ups, get some front squats in. Love it. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, we're going to – I got a bunch of stuff. Took full advantage of uh, Prime Day on Amazon. Going to outfit this place. Oh, and man. Uh, hopefully create a little shrine in here so that my own children will grow up knowing, uh, knowing that Dad had his priorities right. <laughs> What's more important? Anything else on the planet or building a great body? <laughs> That's it, man. You sound like a. Uh, maybe you were born a couple thousand years too late. Too, too late. Are are you an ancient Greek? Oh man, I wish the, <laughs> the marriage the marriage of philosophy and the nude form. It's just amazing. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's uh, it feels awesome though to be in here. I gotta say the uh, I've I've been taking all my work calls from a closet with Katie's dresses forming my backdrop, mm-hmm. and I wrote it off in conversations to people in work when they see you on these teleconference calls and they see like you're in a closet. They they want to make jokes like, oh, why don't you do a virtual background? Which, by the way, virtual backgrounds. I'm out. I'm out. Totally out. The purpose of the video isn't to show people some manufactured version of yourself. It's to show them your authentic self. So, like, there I was. I'm in a closet, guys. That's that's my wife's spring line behind me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And now they get to see what I'm really about, which is mixed wood walls, pitched ceilings, so that I have enough room to do overhead movement. Yep. And... Clanging and banging the iron. They're not going to want to mess with you anymore. Just uh, got to let them know where you're you at. You know, and I do the same thing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a virtual background guy. I have nothing to hide. The only time is like if, uh, 
there's like laundry on the bed behind me or something. But, you know, my background is uh, popcorn ceiling walls with the bed. But if I stand in the wrong spot, there's all kinds of. Oh, Yahtzee. But today, so I have, you know, I'm out of the way from the microphone. I have this massage gun uh, sitting on my bed. And from a distance, the way the camera was, it kind of looked like a Tech Nine, (laughs) like, like you know, like (laughs) like an actual gun. And so in the middle of the call, I was like, guys, let me just say this thing behind me is not an actual weapon. Because I saw I saw people's eyes averting like you'd be in the middle of the call and people's eyes would start looking down and you're like, okay, they they see it. I actually love the idea of just having in your background just like the table of of like the crew from Fast and the Furious being like off duty, you know, like a couple handguns, like some smashed out cigarettes, some just some sh- raw cash just laying around maybe from a card game. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, in in between calls of just getting down like a, a half drink 40. Uh-huh. We're just hanging out. That'd be the way to do it. Oh, I love it. Well, man, um, I have the weekly segment ready to go. But did you have anything that you've been burning on? That you're like, man, this has been on my mind all week. Did you think at all about the, uh, the question that... Uh, I texted you. It was something Katie said to me. But when was the last time I did something for the first time? I did. I did think about that. It's a tough question. It's like you stop taking chances. It's like on some level I'm doing things for the first time all the time, but they're more of like an iteration of things I already do. That's exactly what I was going to say is like, you know, I don't remember the last time I just jumped into the deep end you know, consequences be damned. It's more like I'm going to put my toe in and put my second toe in. I'm going to put my second foot in. And then I'm, I'm constantly reinventing until I'm doing this new thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a real, like the, the ship of Theseus, like replacing a plank of wood, like, and and then seven years later, I've got a new ship. Ah, but if you take all the wood from the original ship and build a new ship, is it the same ship? Hey, I, you're talking. That. You're talking to someone who's knee deep in think again. That's a that's a question for some naked guy from ancient Greece. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not that man. You know, I, I was trying to think of something that the last time I I tried something new for the first time, um, and I I don't I, I like like you know like it's it's like okay, well I committed to running for thirty days. I don't, I don't think I've ever used running as my primary modality of fitness. Mm-hmm. That's something, but it's just a diff, but I also have run before. So I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to marinate on that one a little bit more. Um, and maybe I'll come back to you next week, but you know, something that's been, it definitely been top of mind for me because I'm just about done with it. It is a quick listen is uh, Adam Grant. Think again, I'm not done with it. I'm like, probably Mm. 50 pages left. And I know you have a lot of thoughts on it, but, but oh my gosh, it is everything I've, it's everything that I want to say to people and more, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether we're talking about 
uh, fitness modalities. We're talking about politics. We're talking about diets. Yep. And it's just like if everybody would take a second and rethink their thought and detach themselves from an ideology. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the one of the burning examples, and it's easy because it's fun, is like, I'm a Cowboys fan, right? I, I I like the Dallas Cowboys. I hate Eagles fans. Why? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because and the, yeah. you know they, they use the example of the Yankees and the Red Sox, and they're like, people, Red Sox fans hate Yankees fans, and vice versa, because they stole Babe Ruth in like the 1930s or whatever, 40s, whatever it was. And it's like, none of those people are alive anymore. It's an entirely different team. That's the whole, like, uh, the, the ship example you were saying. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, these people are just fans of them for the same reason you're fans of the team that you support. They just grew up with a family that liked them in that town. And so it's like, it's funny when they used examples of, like, humanizing the other side, the, quote, other side, how much more likely people were to say, oh, you know, they're just a little bit annoying as opposed to they're this, they're that, and they're this other thing. You know what? First of all, if, you, if you're listening and you haven't invested in Think Again, tremendous from an audiobook perspective. Yeah. And I say audiobook because if you're listening to a podcast, you've, you've probably got a life that is structured to listen to an audiobook. And, you know, seven hours for a brilliant guy's edited and condensed best thoughts on this topic. It's well worth it. It really is. Adam Grant, Adam Grant. Think again. It's been my favorite book of the year. Uh, I, one of the things that got me doing, and I'll use the, the Red Sox Yankees example. I married that idea of like, well, why do I feel this way? And there's people who are just like me who feel the exact opposite. I married that idea to the Brene Brown concept that everybody is doing the best they can. Yep. To realize that, like, somebody is getting something legitimate out of this. Because originally what I tried to do was, like, divorce myself from, like, these strong feelings. Like, I'm not going to be... Democrat or Republican. I'm not going to be as invested in sports because it leads to all these feelings that I, I don't see the benefit of the, the hate emotions, yeah. even if it's like lightweight sports hate. But I've, I'm kind of coming around on that to like try to understand because there's a real benefit. Like those Red Sox p- fans who hate Yankees fans, they're getting something emotionally valuable out of their hate for Yankees fans. Mm-hmm. Like it's feeding something good. You know what I mean? Is it? And I'm trying. Yeah. 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 It has to be. There's, there's gotta be a benefit or else you wouldn't repeat it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If there's absolutely no benefit, like do you know anybody at all who just like picks up a hammer and smashes their hand and just yeah, breaks like their hand? Like psych- psychopaths, right? <laughs> Right, like you, you have to be an actually mentally broken is person, it, but every other repetitive behavior has a benefit. Is it as simple as belonging to the pack, belonging to the greater, the greater society, the great, we you know, like, oh, if I hate, 
there's a whole bunch of people that hate this type of people, so I'm also going to hate these type. I don't know if it's that simple. Yeah, you walk. It could be like that's definitely a part of it because that's real. Yeah, like absolutely. Walking real. into a walking into a bar with your your team's jersey on, and when they score, you all go nuts and you high five a stranger. That's a good feeling. Yeah, like it feels great. Yeah, and hating the other team and like I've the weird one of the weirdest sports hates I've carried with me for almost the entirety of my adult life is be rooting against LeBron James. I love Le- LeBron James. Like intellectually, I I respect everything about what he's done. He was given an immense talent and he made it greater. Yep. I like I've taken the time to write about it to like work through my feelings like why yeah. am I always rooting against this guy? Yeah. Yeah. The only time I ever rooted for him was when he was playing against the Warriors and I think I just have this inherent like root for the underdog thing, which is part of what makes sports like tough for me. Yeah. Is if I don't have a dog in the fight and one person, one team or person is obviously the best, I always find myself rooting for the other person, which is fine. Like I like it is like a, you know, who do you side with? But it just means I take a lot of L's. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Like rooting against LeBron James is not a good strategy for being satisfied with watching NBA basketball. Yeah, right. So, so I like I tried to to figure out like what that is and what's what's in it. And I think what it is, like one of the most delicious sports experiences of my life was when the Dallas Mavericks beat the Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Like, they were this era's original super team, formed out of free agency, not homegrown at all. Nope. And, and this, this crazy German yeah. guy just, just took it to him. And it felt awesome. I stayed up like late watching the watching the press conferences so I could see Dwayne Wade and LeBron James like up there at the microphones. Just can't figure you know, it out. Rubbing right? their foreheads, like yeah, staring at the stat sheet, being like, "Well, I, I just you know, we need we need better help from our from our cast." You know, yeah, like, just confounded. Yep. And I I I soaked it up. Yeah. And. So I think there is real benefit to that. Like you get something from from carrying that with you. And sorry, I'm kind of on a tangent here. No, but. that's fine. But it's dude, it's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was talking to Katie about this recently, there's the cost is similar to I think when we were talking to Zach Westerbeck and he says like if you run at a level of like low grade anxiety or depression your whole life it changes your baseline for what you actually think happiness is. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something similar when you choose to create a life of us versus them. And like, I'm just going to carry this with me. Like I'm a Red Sox guy. They're a Yankees guy. And you just have to, what you're waiting for is like, I'm going to live on a baseline of hate for the Yankees and I'll just wait for the little spikes I get occasionally throughout the year when the Yankees have a really bad loss Mm -hmm. or the Red Sox beat the Yankees. And that's even worse because you also risk the extreme divots of when the Yankees beat the Red Sox. 
it's like then you're really taking a plunge because not only is it a loss for the thing you love, it's also a win for the thing you hate. So you're you're losing in both directions. Yeah. But I just think that that takes a long-term hit on like it's like you're just kind of carrying an unpleasant emotion with you forever because occasionally you'll get the little like spike yeah. in oh that felt that felt good. It's like uh it's like the opposite of exercise, right? Exercise is you do something that is really exhausting. So you take a spike of pain for a short period of time so that the rest of the time you can hum high. You know, like you can feel good the rest of the day because you just invested in that pain for a little bit. This is the opposite. You're going to feel bad all the time yeah. by deciding to to hate this other group of people so that every now and then you can get like a little, a little, little bit sugar higher. rush. A little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. But Adam Grant's book got me thinking about that and like, okay, now that I recognize it, how do I decouple myself from this? Yeah. And I think the answer really is to to realize those people aren't crazy. Those people are actually a lot more like you than you ever gave, gave them credit for. Yeah. I, I try to do that. So, you know, from a, from, you know, if you, if you take it a step further from a political standpoint, I'm always trying to bring a voice of reason when I, when it feels like in a conversation, it's like anytime I hear those people or these other people, how could they believe that? And it's kind of like, well, they ha- they surely have some reason. Maybe it's because they haven't given it enough thought. Maybe it's because, well, one of the, I mean, and Adam Graham talks about this, to go against a single thought of groupthink ideology is to risk being cast out of the tribe. I always try to just, in any situation, I just try to bring some sense of like, well, everyone's arrived at the way they feel somehow. It's not, we can't discredit how much it. Of, how much of that behavior do you think is just human nature? Like people will always end up that way. I know. Versus we, so, we accidentally teach everyone to be that way. Because like yeah. what the sports thing again, why are you an Orioles fan? There's really no good reason. It's just I was born in Baltimore or in, in, uh, in the Maryland area and that was our team and we just like that team, right? So it was the it's, tribe, yeah, it was the group, like, it was that's what you did, right? You had games to go to. Well, like I think about this with uh, with my own kids. Like I like things, when you're a kid, it's so obvious. You, in, in that case, I, I think it begins as nature. You like the things that your parents like because that's the way to make them like you. Mm. And then you get all the favor bestowed upon you from the the beings that are capable of making your life comfortable and pleasant. Well, I'm in this weird like, pos- I'm in this weird position too, and and you might be as well, where we live in North Carolina, and they have mm-hmm. a capable football team. And every- yeah, but they don't have Patrick Mahomes. They don't. They don't. But but I mean. Everett has already said, I like the Panthers. Mm. And he's like, I like the Cowboys too. But he, I know he's saying that because he knows I like them, right? So. But this is the thing. He's doing that exact thing on two fronts. Well, if I like the Panthers, my friends will like me. If I like the Cowboys, my dad will like me. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> it's right, a- and he, he hasn't intellectualized it that way. But and I think the reason it's helpful to think of that in a kid, and maybe not everybody else is like this, but I hate the idea of adult me, me right now, being as infantile as like, oh well, yeah, I. I'm pro-gun because everybody I hang out with is like, they like hunting mm-hmm. and, or they were in law enforcement. And it's like, am I just doing this thing where I like things because I want other people to like me? And I'd really like to divorce myself from that and like things because I like them to like really know yeah. myself. Yeah. It's hard to do. And I think to your, your point about trying to like diffuse like when you come in and people are on one side or the other, I think the honest answer to most arguments people find, like how could they, how could they think that way? It's because they want the exact same thing. It's almost always because you actually agree on the outcome. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we've talked about this before with, uh, you know, with, it might've been gun control. Maybe that's why the idea of guns like jumped into my head. Like, people want other people to be safe. The people who are pro-gun think the way to keep everyone safe is to keep everyone armed so that, like, you know, like, you'll be less likely to rob a store if that guy who's, you know, next to the beer cave in the back is, is packing under his jacket. Yep. It's like, well, that's, that's tough when everybody around me is capable of the same power I plan on bringing into this robbery and i think everybody who says like no guns are terrible it's just like well if the guns weren't there everybody would be safe Mm -hmm. right like almost always we want the same thing you know it's not that crazy of a leap right we just like we get so caught up in methodology and saying like our way to do it is best that we get away from the goal yeah and i think too i mean it's like if people if you have a strongly held belief, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think, on the surface. I mean, but being willing to question why you think that way. But, you know, the, the easy, it's not easy, it's actually really hard, but the simple thing is to say, well, how did you arrive at your belief? Right? You went through mm-hmm. some path, you had some experiences in life, you've seen people, you've, whatever. You volunteered at a shelter, well, you know, you, you arrived at your, at your feeling one way or another. The person who might feel the exact opposite of you on an issue or a belief also arrived at that not haphazardly. They had their own life experiences that brought them to that point. And so... Well, to ask that question, you'd actually have to, like, respect the person you were talking to. It's true. Yeah. You'd have to care about their life experience. Right. Well, and and that's that's what... um, what Adam Grant did, he talks about an, ex- an experiment they did with Red Sox Yankees fans, and they they humanized the other side and talked about you know struggles in their lives and things they've gone through, and they were increasingly more likely to like that other person than they were to wish ill upon them in some way. Hmm. Man, I'm I'm actually liking how much of this is kind of stuck in my head. The uh... The part I thought like that I did hang on to was that often when we're often when we're our worst with others, we're filling one of three roles: preacher, prosecutor, or politician. 
And I'll summarize for people who haven't heard it, but it's worth getting into the details of it. You're being the preacher when you're trying to protect some sacred ideal. It's like there's, you're not concerned about the consequences of the event. It's just that this has to be the way it is because that's the way it always has to be. Like discussion over. Uh, the prosecutor is when you spend all your time trying to just pick flaws in another person's thinking. You know, you're not interested in hearing their side or believing in their side. Like, all you're doing is looking for the weak points. Very guilty of that. Very guilty of that. Oh, Oh, yeah. I can hear it with you whenever uh, we just bring up, like, an idea. Hey, do you want to do this on Saturday? Ah, Like, it's also a way you vindicate, like, the idea's validity. It's like, I'll start by picking it apart. If it can hold up to my cross-exam, then maybe I'll consider it. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. See, I think I'm much more guilty of the last one, which is the politician, where you you feel favor by winning over others to your way of thinking. Like, I like it when it's like, I've thought about this, I've thought it through, and I would feel really good if, once I explain it to you, you're like, that makes a ton of sense, and I like the way you think. (laughs) I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. You can see that. But yeah. Preacher, prosecutor, politician. Like, I, I find myself falling into politician the most, but, like, everybody has a little of each of them in them. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, the anecdote to it is be a scientist. Question, yes. think, rethink, right? There we go. You don't Start have to read the book no anymore. position. <laughs> yeah, that's it, guys. Yeah, perfect, a perfect synopsis. Uh, man, I'm glad you're enjoying it, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, when I make a recommendation and I say, I think this is good, I want to know that someone else also thinks it's good. You do. And that I've won someone over to my way of being. Where do you fall on this? Because I'm finding myself now, I think this is probably my fifth or sixth audiobook. I really went full tilt. Mm. But you know what I'm really missing? I think I mentioned this with, with Varga last week is I'm missing my podcasts. And, yeah. you know, it. it's like I'm craving hearing people th- like Adam Grant's book is fantastic. It's well thought out. It's carved out. It's seven hours of well-articulated, well-constructed thoughts and ideas. But then there's this part of me that still is craving, like hearing Joe Rogan yuck it up for three hours with somebody as they just dig through ideas, kind of like what we do or, yeah. uh, you know, his and, um, um, armchair experts. Those two armchair are kind of my. Those are kind of yeah. my go-to's, right? I like Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is a little too methodical for me. Um, mm-hmm. Has some great guests and some great thoughts, but yeah, I, I'm craving that like that banter and that uh, hearing how other people come to thoughts because it helps me come to my thoughts. I'm invested. Yeah, the way I the way I do this. So one, uh, I've greatly decreased my audiobook consumption probably about half you know i i probably listened to 80 to 85 books in 2020 yeah you were on a tear yeah and it was awesome like i got this huge influx of information and so like i have all this new stuff that has hit my brain that you know has been sorted with hit or miss benefit Right. right, like you hang on to some of it, uh, how much you internalize is tough to say, but I've I've definitely been expanded. 
The thing that I find very difficult for me to do is to, it really depends on the activities I'm doing. Like if I'm, if I'm playing with Walter or Winnie, I almost have to go podcast. Like there's something about two human beings talking to each other that is much easier to consume mm-hmm. than someone reading an audiobook. Yep. And an audiobook is almost always, especially if you're talking about nonfiction, is almost always deep research that has been condensed into explain, explanatory sentences about what all that is. And you kind of have to be paying attention. Yeah. So I can do... I can do chores, I can do runs, I can do things, laundry is like, laundry's the perfect set. You don't actually need to think to do laundry, yep. dishes, these, these repetitive chores you do all the time. Uh, so I've kind of broken it up that way, and part of the natural digression from fewer books to more podcasts this year is like, Walter's getting a lot more active. Like the the level of engagement depending on like when I'm with him is ramping up and up. And so it used to be like, you know, Hey, if we were playing outside, I could still listen to an audio book because there's enough new stuff that distracted him. Now playing outside involves a lot more proactive engagement from me. I've got to be podcast there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, so that's, that's kind of just how I've measured it out. And the, the main thing is, uh, <laughs> not to overload my Libby holds. Oh yeah, because a Libby a Libby hold. So for those who don't know, Libby is a audiobook. Well, it's just a uh, digital. It's like Kindle for your library, uh, yeah. but it also does audiobooks. And when you when you put something on hold at your library through the Libby app. You have 14 days once it comes available. Yes, you do. If I put, if I stack like five holds and like two of them come do come up, like where I can listen to them within like a three to five day period, I've got to hammer the audio to get those in before they're due. Yeah. So you that's the that's the main thing. Like space out my holds, and then uh, if I go a long time, and a long time being like two weeks without an audiobook available. That's fine. That's when I that's when I get up on all my old guests from Rogan and Armchair, anybody that you know I haven't heard and yeah. thought, oh that'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to tap back into it once I'm done with Think Again. Yeah, give give yourself a break yeah. and then uh and then come back around. But yeah, I just oscillate. Yeah dude. Hit- also I think uh I think Varga kind of mentioned this too. I think giving yourself freedom to not have to finish the book, huge. Yep, I agree. If you start listening to it and it's like it's not jiving with you and you want to listen to a podcast, that's fine. It'll be there. Yeah. Come back to it later. And I find too, a lot of times with with books like this, I mean, it's great. You know, the examples begin to kind of bleed together. Like they're, it's just the same examples over and over. Once you get the premise of the book, you get the premise of the book. And and the and the concept yeah. so, hundred percent. Yeah, segments. Let's do it. Question of the week: The Lost Boys. I, you know, I've I've really got to hammer that harder at the intro. 
Welcome to the Looks Like We're Lost podcast with the Lost Boys. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll yeah, we'll get it. there. Working title. Uh, yeah, we got to get in that hook yeah. audio. Yeah. Bang around. I love it. What is the most fun I can remember having recently? What was I doing? Who was I with? What is the most fun I can remember having recently? What was I doing? Who was I with? Can I answer? I actually have two, uh, two answers to this one. No, man, this podcast isn't for us. Keep it to one. It's true. I'll be. I'll be. <laughs> yeah, I'll be. Sec- Ex- let, let me. Let me dance around this. Let me dance around this. Yeah. Um, no, I, one undoubtedly was our trip to Mexico. Um, for all the reasons you would think. I mean, you know, my wife. My two kids, we had both sets of in-laws, which I get along with extremely well. I love them both very much, or, you know, both sets very much. And I set a good out-of-office strategy, so I didn't have to think about work. But it was, it was really, and also, we talked about it with Zach Westerbeck right, right before I went. I did a little, like, you know, work beforehand to mentally prepare myself for some of the things that would normally give me like anxiety or stress me out, allow me to just be a little more and B I did and B we did. Um, we didn't really worry about anything. We didn't stress about anything. Bedtimes were not, no, there was no bedtime. It was just when we finished dinner and got to the room when we ate, didn't matter. You just ate throughout the day. Um, the biggest concern was like just keeping sunblock on your on your skin, our our newly pinked skin as we're that close to the equator. But I gotta say, man, just just that time with with the boys, that time with with family, was it was awesome. I mean, it was just it was happiness. Mm-hmm. It was it was so much joy and happiness, and uh, seeing the boys get comfortable, you know, a little more comfortable in the water. Uh, getting to see Annie, you know, with her with both sets of her in-laws at one time and, and getting closer to them. So that would be, that would be one that, that comes to mind. And I think, you know, me and Annie talked about this at dinner. I mean, that's, that's spot on both of us. Hmm. The, the other is a little, is a little more simple. And, uh, you know, we had, we had uh, Juneteenth off. Thanks Cisco. Thanks federal government coming soon. And, and I think it's a good, hmm. it's, it's definitely a, a valuable holiday to reflect on each year. Um, Adam Grant had a great point about why it is. I won't spoil it, but basically we acknowledge the things that are in our history. But anyway, rather than doing what I would normally do on that day, which would be probably do a little bit of work, you know, probably get a workout in, do a couple household chores. And then by the end of the day, be you know, look back and say, I don't know how, where the whole day went. I went golfing with my brother and I am not good at golf. I like being out there, uh, but he loves golf and he's really good at it. So I was like, let me meet him there and, you know, spend, spend, you know, four or five hours with him. And it was just great. You know, we don't talk as much as we probably, as, as maybe other siblings do. Given that we live 20 minutes away from each other, we just don't call each other all the time. Just something about our family. I don't know. I don't call my mom that often either. But, but it was, 
I don't know. We just had a great time out there. Just again, there, there was nowhere to be. There was nothing to really do. We just had a great time. And so, uh, th- those are probably two for me that just ring very clear in my head as like m- events or times or moments that just had fun. Hmm. Thank you for sharing. Hey, thank you. I like that you answered it that way. Uh, because I, when I saw this question, the very first thing I thought of was uh, Father's Day morning. Katie just said, like, hey, I'll take the kids, you know, go do your thing. So it was the first time in probably maybe a month, it had been a little while, that I just, like, sat down for four or so hours and just worked on the novel. Yeah. And just, like, started, like, getting through a chapter, redrafting it. And it was the first thing that jumped to mind when I, when I saw the question. And yet, that's not really my idea of fun, right? I was, like, I was alone. It was solitary. If you, if you looked over at me, uh, you know, with my, my little pour-over coffee and my stack of pages, yeah. like, you'd probably see my brow furrowed. I'm hunched over. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, but there is, I, I think, like, the, you know, a vacation to Mexico versus, like, engaging in something that is, wouldn't be, like, your initial idea of fun. Like, there's another side of happiness to engage there. Yeah. Uh, but I think the moment that really probably answers the question is, you know, we, I talked about last podcast, we, me and some other guys formed a Y league basketball team Mm -hmm. and the first game was awesome. I just like felt so good to be back out there. And, uh, you know, I'm with the whole team there, but really the guy I'm with when I'm out there is Matt Pittman. Oh, yeah, Berger. I, I, played, uh, I played basketball with him in college, and there's just something, like when you spent hundreds, probably thousands, it's got to be thousands, I would assume, thousands of hours uh, doing an activity with another person and like being on a team with them, like getting back out there, it's I don't know what to compare it to. It's it's like playing ball with him and uh, like organized on a court. It's it's almost like going to like a family home with your brother. It's just like yeah, you're doing something immediate and present, but also you're kind of engaging with this version of yourself that that you loved and it feels so good to see him again. Yeah. And uh, this last game we played, we were behind the entire game. We played terrible, just awful. Yeah. And we, we make a comeback in the second half, and in the very last minute, we take the lead. We go up by one with, like, 45 seconds left. And me and Berger are going to, like, we're going to summon the old powers, and we're going to put this game away, yeah. right? And it a portion of it felt great. Like all the old stuff was jiving. Like I, uh, their guy inbounds it. He's bringing it up past half court. I can see Pittman out and I'm guarding him. I can see Pittman out of the corner of my eye starting to cheat up the court because we want to get the ball out of the hands of this guy. Yep. And, uh, so I trap hard. 
He tries to like spin back behind me. I cut that off because I know Pittman's coming to force him to go back the other way. And Pittman sneaks in there perfectly. Yeah. Right? The guy turns right into him. And yet, when he does all that perfect, he then kicks the ball out of bounds. No. Right? <laughs> and so we're just like, ah, come on. So then uh, we stop him. It goes out of bounds. I inbound it to Pittman because he's, he's lights out at the line. Like he made his living at the free throw line. Yeah. Gets fouled all the time. Big, strong guard. Not afraid of contact. He misses the front end of a one-on-one. He doesn't oh, no. have it like he used to. Yeah. But I was ready. I was down there in, on the lane. Like I had, I had this guy teed up with like a little spin behind him to get position, and I did it perfectly. I get the offensive rebound. Like I got you, man. As soon as I rebound it, I turn to pass it to one of our guys, throw it right to there, the guy oh, on the no. other team. <laughs> like straight to him, directly to him. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we don't quite have it like we have to, but we held on. We, we made enough plays, and we won the game by one, two points. And we came home immediately. He helped me move uh, a Peloton from upstairs to downstairs, and those things are heavy. They are, no joke, if yeah. If you haven't moved yeah. one. Uh, and we walked in, and we were just telling Katie all about the game, and she probably couldn't have cared less, right? She's being, oh, yeah. she's being a kind person. But we are chattering just the way you just heard me. Like, we're yeah. so pumped up. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, it just, like little kids just, ah, that is the most fun I can remember having recently. And, you know. That's awesome. It's a, Great it's storytelling, a, like, by yes. the way. I, could, I felt like I was there. I could see it. <laughs> I could see it. could smell the sweat. Dude. How when you think back on this, how ridiculous is is it that we played kickball <laughs> as as grown people? <laughs> like you know, my favorite part of of all of kickball, and it also has to do with fitness. Was that is when before the kickball games, we would have to introduce ourselves, every single person on the team. The other team, yeah. Hi, I'm I'm Tommy. Yeah. Hi, I'm I'm Jen. Right. Yeah. And so the whole team introduces themselves, the, the opposition does, and then it comes around us, and Matt Pittman is the first one to introduce himself, and he goes, hi, team. And the very <laughs> next person steps up and they go, team, team, <laughs> I team, about that. I'm team. And our whole team, we're not individuals. And we just, That's amazing. We, and then I'm pretty sure we lit them up. We were so close so many times, weren't we? On our way to a second place finish. Oh, like three years in a row. I, um, but now, now that I think back on it, I'm like, you know, we, we were pumped making, like sacrificing the body to catch the kickball. Um, it mattered. And, uh, I remember like, it'd be in the middle of like, I'd call my dad the next day and talk about the game. And I, then in the middle of it, I'd be like, it's kickball. <laughs> like, Talking about kickball, right? So anyway, but it was so much fun. So much fun. Uh, it doesn't matter. It does not matter if his kickball is the best. Yeah, man. <sighs> well, hey, yeah, not thank you for fun. sharing. I, I don't, thank you for sharing. Th- you're welcome. I, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Some of the most fun I've had recently. Yeah. Um, recommendations. What do you got? Got an easy one, and I'm gonna. I'm going to tail on to your Raya from Raya Raya from last weekend. Mm-hmm. Disney just keeps on dropping hits, and if you have not watched Luca, it's not it's not premium access. You, Ooh. it's straight to market. It's wonderful. Is 
as soon as I get done with the watching the entire Fast and the Furious series yeah. in preparation for Fast Nine, uh-huh. I'll dip right into Luca. Yeah, it, you know, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's really good, and it threw me off because it's like uh, it's Italian based. I mean, it's they all speak you know, they speak English, but it's like a little Italian town, and you know, there it's the music's great. The story, I mean, the story is you know. It's really good. It's really good. And of course, you know, in the way that only Disney can do it. So highly recommend Luca. Man, I really do think when you look over the recent history of some of those Pixar movies, like going to the Peloponnesians with Moana, going to Mexico with Coco, going to Italy with Luca, uh, I'm probably Soul. blanking well, on some I mean, Soul had a, oh, had yeah, a good... Soul. Yep. Yeah, perfect example. Uh, Ray doing an awesome China, right? job. Yeah, yeah. Again, right on, right on cue. Like they're doing an awesome job of giving little kids a tour of backgrounds. Yeah, and I know some of that's got to be intentional. Got to be. Um, but like, I don't know. For all of our high level like our highly intellectualized attempts at processing like cultural appropriation and like how do we value culture. I still think the arts really do a better job than, you know, academia. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, I know those overlap in some arenas, but, but to just make a kid feel like there's nothing weird about these people. Right. There in fact, there's probably a lot of things that are really cool about them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's awesome that all those, that that library is out there. You know, it's something that was really cool about it is that there's a line in the movie that's something to the effect of, um, you know, there's always going to be people in this world that don't like him, but he seems to be pretty good at finding the ones that do. And there's something mm. really cool about that because, you know, as as an adult, you're like, yeah, there are pe- for some reason there are people that just don't like me, and and that's all right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't yeah. control that, but I can be with the people that do. So it was really sure. it was really good. I do have a question because I want to hear your recommendation too. I, I was going to pull the social medias, but since you know movies, I want to get your opinion because it's because it's a hell of a time investment. Hmm. I've only ever watched one Harry Potter. Ooh. And it's on HBO Max, the full series. Me and Annie are considering committing the time. I mean, that's going to be eight like eight movies, probably two to three hours a movie. You're talking six, 18 to 25 at 24 hours. Is it worth yep. it? Is it worth the investment? Yes, is the short answer. Um, minor elaboration. The Harry Potter movies work on two levels. One, it's just really good serialized movie storytelling. Mm-hmm. They're they're entertaining. You get absorbed into the world very quickly, and they they do an excellent job of transporting to screen the same thing that was excellent about the books. And so, there's no question you'll enjoy it to that degree. And then on a a secondary level for like, hey, two adults dipping into Harry Potter. Uh, not that given your your predilection for animated film, <laughs> I don't think it'll be a barrier to entry for you. But like, is this is this going to do it for me? These things in particular. 
Part of the reason the Harry Potter stories are such a monumental hit is like the layer of storytelling. Like if you want to think harder about it, it's in there. Mm. Like it's got it's got really deep stuff about what it means to be a human, what it means to try to do what is right versus follow the rules. Uh what it what it means to like seize power to have power what it means to be powerless and like what do both of those factions owe each other like there's good timeless stuff that those stories absolutely nail all right and and so like you're gonna be very satisfied okay and i'm in and that's even without like thinking about it that hard like they're just they're also just fun and i'm in we're gonna do it I'll report back to you in like uh, you a quarter. You won't be disappointed. Three months. I could. I guess I could basically make that my recommendation. Surprise <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> Harry Potter is good. There you go. Uh, plus, it's also just kind of fun to see the kids grow up. Yeah, you're with them. You're with them over like eight movies. I think it's true. Uh, but my recommendation. We talked about it a little bit, but it's Brave New World, the novel mm-hmm. written in 1932. Uh, there were things I thought it was going to be about as I was going through it. And this is part of what is brilliant about it. You think one thing is being criticized, which is a, a futuristic society where, um, everybody has been genetically engineered and conditioned to accept their role in life with no sense of sadness. They only, they feel good all the time. And it is presented in a way to where you can't really put your finger on why it's bad. There's logical arguments as to why it's actually a superior society. Like everyone is happy. Mm -hmm. But you just feel weird about it. And so then you visit this savage reservation, which is just a bunch of people who haven't been raised in that society. And it's like a blend of, of Native American ideology and like, you know, white Jesus. And it's, it's become this other thing, but they're, they're still slaves to the idea of individual individuality and religion and the context that they were raised in. So you have two contrasting societies that are just beholden by whatever socialization they grew up in. Uh, And then eventually you reach the end and there is a guy who you know is one of the controllers of the world he has ascended high enough to keep the rules of the civilized futuristic society in place and you know he's one of the few people in modern society who's been allowed to read the works of Shakespeare and read the Bible and entertain the idea of uh what it means to be a mother or a father, and why would you be so beholden to any individual? Mm-hmm. And it's just like this book is is pushing a hundred years, right? It's like ninety years old now, and it is still dead on about the things that confound us most as a society, which is, hey, I, it's us versus them, and our way is right. To even think a different way is so silly, and. I will I will endanger myself and those around me 
because I am unwilling to think that there could be any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, in, in a weird way, it is both pro and anti-socialism at the same time, which is almost the only way a true idea can exist to not be all one thing. Yeah. And it, it does the thing that I love most about novels, which is if you present hard ideas in a nonfiction way, they can be very difficult to accept because you've already picked a side. Mm-hmm. But when you experience ideas through fiction, you start with somebody who you barely know. You don't know them at all. And you experience the story in the order that they experience it. And you experience it within your own mind, not as some academic exercise. You experience it through the events, as if you, as if they hit you yourself. You, you feel the injustice. You feel the gratification. And I think most of the best lessons in life are learned through experience, not not by reading a text. Mm-hmm. And a novel done correctly is a shortcut to a life you didn't live. You get all the lessons from it in the way that it would have unfolded. And the reason Brave New World has endured is because it absolutely nails that experience. And I, I felt very strongly about it. And uh, yeah, five out of five recommend. Uh, it's going to be in the queue. It's going to be on the, uh, the Libby Hold Oh, it's it's worth it, man. It it does. I guess one caveat. It's written in 1932. Yeah, people were more bored back then. Yeah, you, you can get a little long winded about some points, yeah. but <laughs> it's it's still a short book. I think it's like uh, an eight hour audio. Yeah, so. I can handle that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, dude. Enjoyed it. Yet again. Man, another five-star podcast. I, Can you? I, how do we keep doing it? It sort of feels like we're, we have a cheat code here at this point. <laughs> if the cheat code is setting the bar low, call us cheaters. There you go. Well, dude, I enjoyed it, man. Me too, brother. Uh, good talking with you. Congratulations I'll, on the uh, new space. I like it. Thank you. I'll I'll get some furniture in here so we can uh, get rid of this echo, and uh, you know, I'll have to have to have you over here for a real workout. I I could still name the box area. We've been take we've just called it the outpost for so long. Oh, I like um, that. Yeah, it's been the outpost. It's separated from the house. Walter already calls it the outpost. Alpo, Alpo. Yeah, there you go. So I, that's kind of what it is, but. You know, it's no pineapple box. Nothing's the pineapple box. Crammed into a corner, smelling the the reek of uh, uh, the lawnmower clippings. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Just, I kind of like having, like, I still smell these uh, stall mats we've put yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like a dense rubber. Yeah. But already, like, I smell it, and I'm like, yeah, here to work. We're getting the work done. <laughs> yeah. But thanks, man. I appreciate it. I look forward to having you over here soon. Can't wait. And, uh, you know, doing what we do. Can't wait. All right, homie. All right, brother. I'll talk Have to you later, man. man. All right, see ya.